We solemnly swear we're up to no good. podcast where we overanalyze the Harry Potter movies one minute at a time. I'm Gary Roby. And I'm Victoria Laguna. And today we are talking about the very first minute of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Minute one starts with the WB logo uh, on the cloudy background and ends with a strange old wizard putting out street lights with a cigarette lighter. <laughs> yes. And we, 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 or at least to me, it looks like a sonic screwdriver. It does look a little bit like a sonic screwdriver, but that's at the end of the minute. We can get there. I want to start right off the bat with that Warner Brothers logo. Because I, I did find out some, some interesting stuff. We talked about, off mic, the progression of the cloud and how it gets darker over. Like, it looks almost painted in this one. It's very light. There's like a little gray in the clouds, but they're not like storm clouds. And those will progress as the movies go on. We'll talk more about those as we get to the later movies. Um, but I think that's cool. But I found out something that I didn't know last time. And uh, if you're watching, we're watching the theatrical cut. There is an extended edition for this movie. But literally, it was just made for TV, and they include the deleted scenes that are cut from the movie. So I figured it'd be easier for us to just watch the theatrical cut and talk about the deleted scenes when we get to those scenes. Because this movie's long enough as it is. We have two and a half hours of material to cover. Long movie. It is a very long movie. But the original theatrical cut, the one that I'm watching, at least, I have like an old DVD version. It says underneath uh, the WB logo, an AOL Time Warner something. Like it's got an AOL thing. We saw that, right? I pointed right. it out to you. Yeah. They're not on subsequent versions of the film because. Uh, AOL's not part of WB anymore, or doesn't own WB, right? There was some sort of... I actually didn't do enough research and look up like, what the not. relationship was between them, but it doesn't... It's only on early versions of the movie. You won't find that, really, uh, on any of the later DVDs that come out. I think by the time of the Blu-ray, they had already like t- removed that from the logo. I don't even know if it mentions the AOL connection on like later logos, like in, in Part 2, or Part 2, listen to me. In Chamber of Secrets or Prisoner of Azkaban. So that's where we start. The Warner Brothers logo. There's no intro. There's no credits. Uh, opening credits at no, all. it goes straight into... The movie starts. The music starts right off the bat. Oh, that wonderful John Williams. Do you want to tell us a little? Do you have anything about the John Williams score that you want to... The John Williams score, you know... <laughs> I probably do. I sh- I should have better organized my notes. Yeah, I separated my notes by minute, but I'm not really... They're going to be extensive as we go deeper. And we'll, we'll have plenty of time to talk about this John Williams score. He he did the first three movies. It looks... Uh, l- different composers did the later ones, of course, based on the wonderful start that he, he provided for the series. I think that... I mean, it's one of... It's... John Williams has the most iconic scores for anything for anything you know like he did star wars and 
Indiana Jones and Jurassic Park and this movie and Jaws. a million others. Jaws. I was going to say a million others that I'm forgetting about. I'm like, Jaws is another one I Jaws. really like. Uh, Do you have any others you want to throw out there? Because I don't really know a lot of his other ones. I, I feel like those see. are the Those are the main pillars. ones. Yeah. Um, I'm sure another... there's so much. I had another movie in my head and it escaped me as soon as, like you said, like, as soon as you put me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't put me on the spot. spot. I was like, what? Oh, what away? Up. What away? I just recently saw Jaws again, so I just like that Jaws score is in my It's on head. Netflix right now and I haven't watched it yet. Oh, it's amazing. I just. My boyfriend had actually never seen it. I haven't seen it in years. And he absolutely this. loved it. It's great. It's so I'm great. all like, dude, John Williams score. And believe it or not, uh, when he played, you know, the iconic Jaws, like, you know, yeah. type of music to Steven Spielberg. It's great. Steven Spielberg basically laughed in his face. And he was like, all right, well, that's nice. Like, what do you really want to do for the theme, for the Jaws theme, basically? <laughs> and then now look. Do you want to know what his first soundtrack, his first score, his first movie uh soundtrack credits some like it hot real damn that's a long time ago 1959 (laughs) he performed uh three songs for the film this says soundtrack i wonder if score is its own no this says all filmography composer okay so that's different so he did songs for for that for the soundtrack for the movie Okay. Um, the first score that he composed, well, this says Playhouse 90, a TV series in 1956. Oh, jeez. Uh, and Daddy O. Daddy O. Didn't even realize. Yeah, he's he was been, doing stuff in the 50s. Yo, he, yeah, he was doing work 20 years prior to that amazing <laughs> Star Wars score. And, and how many years before Harry Potter? <laughs> oh my god, Jesus. So long. This guy, this, this guy's guy. done amazing stuff. Yeah. He, he composed for four episodes of the Lost in Space TV series. Um, oh, I love that show. There's a ton of movies that I don't recognize, and so I'm skipping them, but there's really there's really a lot. Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Story of a Woman, Jane Eyre, The Cowboys in 1972, Images, Tom Sawyer in 73, The Long Goodbye, The Towering Inferno, Sugarland Express, Earthquake. There we go, Jaws, 1975. That's the first one that's like... Jaws. Big one. Jaws. Yeah. And oh, then Jaws. Star Wars A New Hope. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. The Fury. Steven Spielberg. Superman in 1978. Yep, Superman was the other the one. The 1979 Dracula. Raiders of the Lost Ark. E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial. Listen there to me know. like slurring my words. Mm-hmm. I can't even. The Witches of Eastwick. Empire of the oh, Sun. I like that movie. The Witches of Eastwick. Indiana Jones. Home Alone. Hook. 20 episodes of Gilligan's Island. What? The Schindler's List, Jurassic Park, Nixon, Lost World, Saving Private Ryan, Jeez. The Phantom Menace, well, yeah. The Patriot, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, AI, Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, The Terminal, War of the Worlds, Memories of a Geisha, War Horse, Adventures of Tintin, Lincoln, Book Thief, Force Awakens, BFG, Episode 8. This guy... Oh my god! An icon of music making, and but he only did the first one, so we're lucky to get him. He did the first three, I'm fairly certain. Oh, okay. Let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure he did the first. Yeah, he did up to Prisoner of Azkaban, and it's amazing. It's amazing. 
I could listen to the, I've been listening to this soundtrack lately. Uh, it's very wonderful. I can't get enough of it. Directed, of course, by Chris Columbus, who um, began his directorial debut with Adventures in Babysitting in 1987. Heartbreak Hotel, Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, The Bicentennial Man, all before doing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Uh, he also directed Chamber of Secrets, so we'll get to talk a lot about Chris Columbus. I actually haven't seen most of his movies. Uh, the Back to the Future Minute guys on their weekend edition on No Roads have been going through the backlist of... Why am I spacing on, his direct, <laughs> on that director? Uh, remind me who directed Back to the Future. Do you have it in your head anywhere? I do not. I know I know. <laughs> anywhere. Um, <laughs> like I can just no, shuffle through. No, it's like, oh, it's freaking uh, Robert Zemeckis. <sighs> oh. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? Dirt. There we go. I had a little uh, brain fart there. Right. Robert Zemeckis, they're going through his older movies leading up to Back to the Future so far. And I, I really have been enjoying that because I haven't seen most of those either. And I think that it's it's interesting. Like, maybe that's something that we could do as well. See, like, look into what else he had done and see if any of it carries into the first two movies. I think that would be interesting. So maybe we can do that. But he's done a lot. He's done a lot of really good stuff. After Harry Potter, he did Rent and Percy Jackson and Pixels. And he hasn't done much since. But uh, he's still working. Still getting stuff done. Still, still getting it. We haven't even really gotten into the content of the minute yet. No. How about we do that? Once the WB logo fades we see Privet Drive for the first time. We see the, the street sign with that owl on top, which I try to do a little research. I think it's a great horned owl, but I could be wrong. So any of you listening who are ornithologists, tell us what kind of owl that is. Right. Uh, comment on our... We'll have a Facebook page or something by then. I they made a lot of digital owls. I mean... I, I have a feeling that when we get to that later scene with the letters, that... uh we have quite a lot to talk about because there's a ton of owls outside the house then. Uh, but we'll save that for later. We see Privet Drive. Very cookie cutter kind of houses. Not right, yeah, cutter, yeah. But it's, but a very, like, it's a suburban neighborhood. It looks like very suburbanite mm -hmm. neighborhood. I, uh, I looked and the house that they use in this movie is a real house. It actually exists. Oh, aw. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Uh, I think in later movies they actually built a set, but it's a real street, like a house on a street. In this one, and it's up for sale right now. And I, I really did some math, and in U.S. currency, it came to about one point five million dollars for this house. But it is very pretty. I looked at pictures of the inside. It is a very pretty house. I, I don't think the we don't get to see a lot of the interior and when we do it's it's very cramped, it's packed with stuff. The Dursleys are pack rats, but we'll get to that later in the week. It looks very I mean, but it, 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 they have a lot of stuff. It makes it look quaint. But it looks, it looks yes, crazy. it doesn't look like nasty the or house like just looks really or big. In the pictures that I found of the actual house, the interior looks really big. And I think that, I don't know if it's, like, camera angle. I mean, 
they're filming the house. They have all the film equipment in the house, mm -hmm. as well as the people in the house. So maybe that's why it looks a lot smaller in the movie on the inside. But it looks very cozy. We're not even. We're we're getting ahead of ourselves by like five minutes already. Right. Calm um, down, Gary. I apologize, you guys. Let's get back to the minute. It's dark and spooky night. <laughs> dark and spooky. And the McGonagall cat. We don't even. We're not even I'm there already. yet. We're not even there yet. We're not even there yet. We see. Uh, the owl take off toward the woods, and then, and then out of the woods. We don't even know it's Dumbledore yet. I mean, we know. I mean, we've, if, if we've readers read are the watching the movie, then they, yes. would, they know who it is. So should but we you presume, see an older wizard? I don't want to presume out. that anyone hasn't seen these movies that's listening to us. Right. So yeah, we have this cloaked older wizard played by Richard Harris, um, who is a very distinguished British theater actor. Right. Leading up to this, don't I? Looked through his filmography and I recognized very little of it. Right, a lot of theatrical stuff. Yeah, but it's a like he was a force. Like it was a true get for them to have him come and play this role. It's unfortunate that he's only in a few of the movies, but he's wonderful. You told me uh, a story about his granddaughter. Yes, the only reason why Richard Harris had taken the role was because his granddaughter, like, convinced him by telling him she would never speak to him again. She would never speak to him again? <laughs> she would never Do we know how old his granddaughter was? I think at the time she was, like, 12 or 13. That's I adorable. Think I That's so adorable. Like, that I makes me really... speak to you again. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Can you imagine? Like, no, like, you must. You must, you must. I'm, well, we're, I'm happy that his granddaughter was so vocal because... I think that he has a very distinguished look to Dumbledore. I love his outfit in these first minutes, like the really heavy looking long cloak. It's very deep colored, this his hat and his half moon spectacles. So we see him coming out into the fog, walking down the street, and he pulls from his pocket this silver it's if I didn't know from the book that it was a cigarette lighter. I wouldn't right. think it was a cigarette lighter. No, I think it's kind of big for a cigarette lighter. And I don't know if it's because it's like an old style of cigarette lighter, or if cigarette lighters are vastly different than like Zippos and Bix that we have now. I don't, I don't really know what the cause for that is. But he uses it to turn lights out on the street. I think it's very, um, there's something very whimsical. Very uh, fairy tale like, I think, about the way magic is presented in uh, just right here in these first minutes. There's a lot of magic that happens early in Harry Potter before he gets his wand, before we really see people like casting spells. Um, I think that Dumbledore's cigarette lighter might be unique in that we don't see a lot of like wizard tech that does magic, like that have magical elements to them. I think that most of the magic we see is cast by witches or wizards with wands speaking incantations. And here he's just clicking this lighter and putting these lights out. And and you see the light physically like pulled from the lamps and go soaring into the cigarette lighter. The deluminator we'll find out right, way like later. Right, like come towards Yeah, it, like and I, I, I think it's it's it looks it looks magical. You know, I, I really like the way that they that they have styled it for this. 
I think that might be all that we have in this minute. We do briefly see McGonagall the cat. Yes, very briefly. Very briefly. It's just in passing. Um, we'll talk more about her tomorrow. We have the first I mean, actual We don't like, get to see anybody, any visible people, in, in, except for him. In this minute. In this minute. Yes. And we don't even know who he is in this minute. Exactly. He's just a figure coming out of the fog. Since we're assuming people have read the books, do we want to talk at all about what's left out of this minute? I mean, we can. Because the movie starts... I mean, obviously in the book, you have, like... We follow Dursley first. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Vernon's day of witnessing people in robes and... We see a cat cat reading the the house or reading the map or... You know, Reading looking the street at the signs. house and yeah. stuff. Yeah. We, we see him seeing people in the street. There's that little old man who bumps into him and says that <laughs> even moguls like yourself should be joyous on this blessed day or whatever, all grateful because Voldemort has been vanquished. But we don't know this yet. Muggle is a, is a, is a slang term from like the 1900s. Wait till we hear the word muggle. Okay. Because I think, I think uh, Minerva has a really great... The first use of the word in the movie at minute three. I'm pretty sure, and we'll talk about it then. Fun little tease for later in the week, you guys. I think that's it for this minute. I don't really have a lot else particular to the content of the minute. Do you, did I miss anything? Do you feel like we missed anything? Do you have anything no, I mean, that, that, I remember the whole minute ending at that moment. That yeah, we've was, watched this minute several yeah, times. several times in which he's putting out the lights. Mm-hmm. And that's really it. Because you have a whole intro with the clouds and the WB logo, yeah. and like, that's pretty much all. So we don't get a lot in this minute. It's a very short minute, but at least we get we get character right off the bat. We get immersed into this world with the, the music cue during the WB logo. Like, right away, we're, we're in this uh, story. And I, I think that that's a really beautiful thing. There aren't a lot of movies that that just start like that. Right. I don't think. I really love this movie. I'm so happy that we're doing this. I love all the Harry Potter. Well, okay. We'll get there. I don't know how I would rank the movies. We'll have to talk about that later. Right. Uh, I, I really want to, like, rewatch them and, and give it consideration before I, I, I would give a ranking of them. I don't have a least favorite. Right. It's not like, um... Such a distinction at... Well, I think with eight movies, it makes it harder to do a ranking like that, too. Off the top of my head. My favorite movie is probably Prisoner of Azkaban. And then this one. I really like Order of the Phoenix. Order of the... the I think Order of the Phoenix, the movie... The movie. We're, if we're doing movies and not books. I'm going to say something maybe controversial here. Uh-oh. I think I might like Order of the Phoenix, the movie, more than Order of the Phoenix, the book. Whoa. And and I'm only Whoa. saying that as like I would rather watch that movie than read the book. And just because I think like Harry's super angsty in that book and you're in his perspective the whole time and and I was of that age when that book came out too that like I really didn't like I really didn't like that book when I read it. I was like Harry, you are making me miserable. Um being being so you're angsty. yeah. You're being so dramatic and so and, angsty and, and you're getting ang- yeah. You're getting angry over things you don't need to be like. And and uh, this gets into the occlumency thing. I guess maybe it's Voldemort influence. Like we're way off topic here already. <laughs> we'll do a ranking of the movies later. 
that was a preview, a tease for for what's to come. I only I only know my first couple. I would have to watch them again before I really like definitively rank them. I think. Do you want to talk about your first introduction to Harry Potter, or like how the books or the movies? We're doing just the movies. Well, I mean, we might as well talk about the books because one doesn't exist without the other. I didn't. I wasn't into Harry Potter like right when it came out. Okay. Uh, it wasn't on my radar. I don't think I even knew what Harry Potter was until my freshman year of high school, which was about ninety nine. Okay. I read it in English class or something or other. Interesting. And was uh, it like a sign for class? I don't think it was a sign. Or it was just something you were reading. I think it was just something I was reading okay. because uh, recommended by the teacher. That's cool. I was I had a really good relationship with my English teacher. Oh. Miss uh, Nancy Johnson really nice. liked her. A lot. She was a great teacher. I believe she's still a teacher at my high school. Still, cool. um, she recommended Harry Potter to you. And I would go see shows with her because my best friend at the time was a, cor- a dance choreographer, mm. performed, and so we'd go and see shows together all the time. That's fun. So she was cool. So that's how I got introduced to the book. I loved it. I, I love the books. Like I like I like fantasy a lot. Yeah. Um, fantasy, fantasy, sci-fi, and horror are probably my favorite genres for everything. Sure. For, like, movies, TV shows, books. I agree. Is Those I agree. are, like, my favorites. I mean, I literally work at a genre bookstore. Like, it's... I immerse myself in this stuff. It's it's kind of wonderful. I, uh, I think that I was an avid reader as a kid. Like, a little kid. But I don't remember what I was into reading before Harry Potter. Harry Potter really changed the game for me, I think. I had read, I think it might have been the first, like, novel. Like, I don't want to say chapter book, because I read, like, Boxcar Kids. Like, those thin, I did not read middle, Boxcar Kids. Like, middle, what we would call middle grade, like, stuff for kids, like, eight years old or something. Right. Now, I don't really remember a lot of that. Like, none of it really stayed. But Harry Potter, I, I was given it for Christmas from uh, a friend of my mom's. And when I, when I, it, it took me a couple of weeks to like sit down and start reading it. And I was so bored at the beginning of that book because I didn't care about Dursley. Oh, of course not. You yeah, know? Yeah. And it's not until you get to the end of, it's weird because that first chapter is almost like a prologue. It No, it is a prologue. Because Harry's story starts with Harry being 11 in chapter 2. So we're not even following him as a protagonist in chapter 1. It, it really stands out. I I think that the first couple of books were out, but I'm pretty sure I went to the midnight release for the third one and all the ones after that. I started going to midnight releases I went to five the fourth the one. Four, five, six, and seven was when I did it. Uh I'm not quite sure if I did it for the third one, but I remember the six you know, the fourth one yeah. for sure. I used to go with my uncle. I had oh, people funny. that, yeah, we would, we were, cause, cause he, he really got me into reading a lot of like, once I, we had an affinity over Harry Potter together. Um, I read Chronicles of Narnia and I read Lord of the Rings and I read a lot of other stuff that was all kind of influenced by, I mean, it was a few years before I read Lord of the Rings, but it really heavily influenced what was to come. Like, I think that this was my first real introduction to like fantasy. Okay. The only book series I had ever been into prior to Harry Potter, because, you know, as a book series as opposed to single books, mm-hmm. 
was probably Goosebumps. Okay. Because I had every single Goosebumps book. Like, I, think I was really We've talked it. about this in the past. Um, but otherwise, I read... I read books that were like... I, I don't discriminate on what I read. Mm-hmm. Like, even at an early age, I remember being in middle school, and I would read stuff that was... Yeah, this is middle school stuff. Yeah. But reading stuff that was like definitely way above middle school yeah, stuff. Yeah, totally. So I didn't... I was already reading Stephen King by then. I um I got into high fantasy in like middle school, high school, and then I started reading like Robert Jordan and Terry Goodkind and um people like that, but it wasn't until it wasn't until high school. Honestly, honestly, I was reading Harry Potter over and over and every time a new book came out, I would read the new book and then I would read the entire series, including the new book again. I think For that's very common. Every actually. book. Um, I, I think I've read I the first that. one at least 20 times. Like, my, my books are falling apart. I don't have any of the dust covers anymore. Like, they're in really oh. poor shape. Um, I am I am a huge fan. I don't know if... I don't really remember going to see the movies the, for the first time. They're not as, as ingrained in my head as seeing, like, the Star Wars movies or... Or the Lord of the Rings movies. And I don't know why. Like, I feel like I went to Midnight's. I know that I went and saw them with, like, my dad and my sister. But I watched them obsessively at home. The Once we had the, the DVDs, I was just over and over and over. And, you know, and those played on TV all the time. They ABC yeah, plays ABC on Family. It at holiday seasons. And I don't know how long it was before Christmas-y. ABC Family. Well, I think, I think ABC Family... I could be wrong on this. I'm I'm probably wrong on this. I think ABC Family got the extended cut. Oh. Um, with the deleted scenes included. And played it like on TV. And that's when they first released that like deluxe edition that had the extra seven minutes or whatever it is. I think it was ABC. It could be a different channel. I'm pretty sure it is ABC actually. I mean they're the ones that are still showing it today. Exactly. I would I would think so. I think they've always. Yeah. I I don't know if that's how it was originally or if that's what we're thinking because that's who that's plays it now. now. And they've been doing it for so long now. This is ingrained into our brains. Yeah. Like they, um, they do that's it. okay. But yeah, it was a TV cut for the extended edition. I definitely edition. don't remember ever going to go see any of the movies consciously just because I didn't have... I was... I had a mother that kept me in the house. I didn't go out sure. and see movies with friends. Yeah, I don't think I saw school. the first few movies at midnight because their school it was their school nights. They came out on Fridays. But um, once I was out of high school and I literally met my boyfriend that I'm with now, what a month or two after I was out of high school, mm-hmm. so barely eighteen or whatever, sure. and then got with Ricky. And then being with him and actually consciously going to see movies. And he liked yeah. Harry Potter, too. So that's when I started. I know the last, I think the last four or five, I definitely saw at midnight. Because I remember seeing the fourth one for sure in the movies with him. And we might have seen the third one. So, like, I didn't see yeah. the first two in the theater at all. I, I definitely went. Because... I, I loved the book so much that, like, my mom read them, and my uncle read them, and, like, my sister read them. Like, a lot of our family really uh, got into it. I wish my mom was that cool. My mom likes Twilight. I, I had to feed my mom books, basically. Be like, please read this. Like, I know you will like it. Like, read it. And she would get into stuff. 
But uh, it wasn't a lot. No. There aren't a lot of things that she a- read. Out of all the book series I've tried to get my mom to read, Twilight <sighs> was all I could get from her. Do you hear I- that as an exasperated sigh? I know. <sighs> like, Twilight, really? Of all the freaking things. I'm going to censor that. I know. Like, no. It's bleep. I could talk about that book. That series. That series. Those movies with the sparkly vampires. I know. Get out of here. Get out of here. Sparkly. Um, we need to redeem Cedric Diggory. Right, poor Cedric. They don't even... No, we're not even there. We, I, <laughs> mentioned we're not even characters. close to there. We're not even close to there. We won't even meet him for four, for four movies. If you gotta meet someone at seven. Yeah. You might even. That's okay. I think I think we have a good, we have a good start. Um, I want to thank everyone who's listening. I I know a lot of our friends that are really interested, and so for all of you that are listening to podcasts for the first time, possibly because of this Harry Potter thing me and Victoria are doing, like thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the two of us babble. There, this is a long journey that we're going to get on, and it it starts here. But I also want to thank the kind of originators of the the format this isn't original this isn't an original idea i've been toying with doing a harry potter podcast for a while me and victoria had recorded a book one before that's not able to be found online anywhere but this is this all stems out of star wars with alex robinson and pete the retailer over there they've been doing this for four seasons now they're on hiatus they just finished up doing phantom menace god bless their souls they're they're about to start Attack of the Clones within the next few uh, weeks, I hope. They said the fall, so keep an eye out for that if you're into that. They have a long backlog to go through, but there's a lot of other Minute podcasts as well. Um, Back to the Future Minute might be one of my favorites right now. Uh, Nick Jimenez and Scott Corelli over there at Dueling Genre Productions are doing really amazing stuff. They do so much cool stuff. But Back to the Future Minute, they just wrapped up Season 2, and I think that's great. Cassandra Fredrickson and I forget her co-host's name. They just just started Lord of the Rings minute. They're only a couple minutes in as of oh, the time of this recording. Yeah. Well, that's why I was inspired to do this. Like once they had announced they were doing Lord of the Rings, I was like, "Oh. Oh, they're going to be doing this as long as we will." Um and it's less movies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially because they're doing the extended editions. God oh bless my their God. souls. Oh my goodness. They're doing good work. I'm really excited for that show to continue because I love, I love that so much. But there's also Indiana Jones Minute and Two Minute Terminator and Ghostbusters Minute and Alien Minute and, and Clueless Minute and Jaws Minute. There's a whole slew of them that you can find at moviesbyminutes.com. Uh, I, I highly recommend if you like what we're beginning here, there's a lot of other podcasts in the Minute family that are definitely worth listening to. Um, so please go check those out. Follow us on Facebook. We'll, I'm probably going to set up a Facebook page by the time you hear this at Harry Potter Minute. We'll have a Twitter and a Instagram and a, all that stuff. By the that, next yeah. episode, I'll be able to give you all of that information. Media all the social media stuff. Please come back here tomorrow for Minute 2 of the Harry Potter Minute. I want to say Mischief Managed. I say mischief managed. We don't have to say it at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Mischief, Mischief managed. managed. There you go.